is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday to you all. Uh, I hope you guys are all uh, being safe out there, uh, staying inside when you can. Um, that, with that said, uh, we have a, a special episode, uh, uniquely special, as uh, we thought, given uh, what's going on in the world today with uh, the coronavirus and all the information that's out there and a lot of the fear that's out there uh, and a lot of the misinformation that's out there. Uh, we thought we would uh, spend a little time this episode uh, talking to an expert, uh, a, a scientist, a PhD, someone who um, works in this field to have a conversation about uh, the coronavirus and things we should be mindful of uh, uh, and just try to learn a little bit uh, about uh, what we can do um, and, and what to take seriously and, and what not to maybe uh, be afraid of because you know, it's a scary time out there. I think we're everyone's a little worried about what this is. And so, yeah, we have a uh, a great guest, uh, Ben Calvert, uh, Rochelle actually is friends uh, that uh, she met through the cystic fibrosis community. Yeah, he's uh, working on a cure actually for um, cystic fibrosis. So he works on the lungs and he works in a lab and he does experiments. And that's the extent of what I understand yeah, about what I mean, he, he does. He talks a little <laughs> bit more specifically about that, but he uh, he deals with viruses and the, he's, yeah. he's uh, seems to specialize in the immune, the immune system. Yeah. And respiratory and how, issues. And respiratory issues of which, uh, both, uh, the coronavirus affects. So, yeah. and he told me he's doing a lot of consulting for people about what's going on. So I thought yeah. he would be a good fit. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a different type of episode that we have for you today, but we thought it would make sense. And, uh, our goal, at least my goal was to, uh, let's try to talk to the people we should be talking to and hear from the people that are experts. Um, I have to say I've been disappointed in like members of bachelor nation who've been just so blatantly still going out on their social media. I think part of it too is um, it's, it's a little ignorance. I mean, again, I'll, I said this in the episode, you know, a week and a half ago, um, when people were talking about the coronavirus, I was one of those people being like, Oh, everyone's overreacting. Yeah. And, and you know, you, uh, we've, we've heard of SARS before we've heard of, uh, the swine flu that never really affected us like this is affecting us. Yeah. And I think when people were hearing about it in China and other parts of the world, we just assumed this wouldn't affect us. And I yeah. think, but you now, know, if you're still going out yeah. now, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We're not trying to point fingers here. We're just trying to make everyone, you know, understand right yeah. like um what they can do this is not necessarily a about um whether you're susceptible or whether yeah. you're at risk yeah uh it's about this is a kind of a social responsibility yeah. right now it's a doing your part to protect your neighbors people you don't know people yeah. you've never met and so um i think that's just our goal for this yeah. episode is just to try to get us all more information so we uh, we we don't uh, create more fear than needs to be, but we also stop doing uh, things uh, that are foolish or maybe a little yeah. ignorant. Um, and if you have a platform or make sure your friends know too, just to promote this idea of not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out. I think we need to stop going out there, you know, uh, and you know, it'd be interesting what uh, like what Facebook or Instagram does, if anything, about people who are out there on social media saying, "Oh, interesting." Uh, oh, I'm out there drinking. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I'm super healthy. <laughs> you know, like um, yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you find it informative. Uh, we're learning as well, and, and Ben was very helpful, and, and we had a nice conversation with him. And again, I uh, my goal was to. Uh, try to help reduce the fear uh yes. that's out there yes. uh and and oh. information uh, helps us information makes things less scary uh as ben suggested this isn't the end of the world yeah uh but there are things we can do to uh, uh help with the long-term impact um that we have uh, worldwide so and i know this is kind of a silly thing to talk about considering what the subject of today is but what are your thoughts on oh, <laughs> you know what i'm gonna I, ask I, I'm, I'm a... tyler and hannah are supposedly together is this a bad time to be talking about it no i think it's no are I, you surprised i have no opinion I don't... <laughs> 
no opinion. Uh, I think it's entirely possible they could be dating. It's yeah. also entirely possible they're just friends. Okay. You know? That's uh, true. That's true. It's entirely... I, I have no idea. Right. Um, but, yes. I mean, we always joke. I mean, obviously, uh, I... I met Kelly at Chris's event. She's a nice person, you know. Right. She didn't disappoint in person. I, I thought she'd be cool in person. Everyone likes to think that there's always something going More. on. More, okay. Um, and just because, and there's not. Yes. And, and, and just because um, um, Hannah and Tyler are hanging out, yes. it's, listen, uh, everyone who goes on in bachelor world has a very unique experience. It's very hard for other people to relate to. There's a lot of comfort that comes with that. Yeah. And Hannah and Tyler shared a mutual experience yeah. and there's a comfort level there. Does that mean they're dating? It's possible. Doesn't necessarily mean they're dating. Right. And it would make it, all I'm saying is it would make a lot of sense that they could just be hanging out as okay. friends. Okay. But who knows? Who I've, knows? Okay. I, I know nothing, but, uh, I've I've had coffee several times and hung out with Andy Dorfman several times right, since the season, right. and not one time was there ever anything romantically going right. on. Okay. Uh, same with Caitlin. Right. Uh, same with anyone else I uh, on TV had a, a some sort of romantic relationship with. So we need to calm down. <laughs> what you're saying Maybe, we're just I, looking listen, for comfort in this time of you, unease you don't have to calm down i know this much uh didn't like uh matt's friend yeah. i mean tyler's friend matt yeah posted a, a, a picture did hannah post the same picture i don't know uh i don't think they want people to calm down you don't <laughs> listen when i posted the picture of you never kelly, want people to calm i was down. totally aware of what people might say yeah. and like i really enjoyed getting to meet kelly she's wonderful in person but I don't think uh, they're against people speculating. Okay. Hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. you don't put that on the internet if you right. if you mind people speculating. Right, 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 right. You know what? And you're right. Speculation is fun. It's harmless. It's harmless. Yeah. It's getting our mind off of things. Why not? <laughs> Who cares? Uh, no harm, no foul. Um, so yeah, there's there's some levity. You don't know anything though. I, I really don't. Okay. <laughs> I really don't. Okay. I know nothing. Uh, but people from Bachelor Nation often hang out because we have a very shared mutual experience. And Solidarity. that's... Solidarity. It is comforting yeah. to hang out with some people and not have to explain yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. But uh, yeah. So uh, stay inside. Do do some things. Uh, what, you know, think of creative things you can do uh, virtually with your friends. Be safe, everyone. I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, and again, next week we have Penn Gillette, uh, on on our Wednesday episode, and a very interesting guy. Um, you know, man, he was just interesting and uh, thought provoking. You may not agree with everything he has to say, uh, but it's certainly interesting. Yeah. Um, but until then, I hope you enjoy this episode. Stay safe. Um, we will be back with some uh, new episodes of Ask Nick's. And uh, I guess we'll just get through this all together. Ben, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, was, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, before we get started, uh, I figured maybe it might just make the most sense to uh, tell a little bit uh, to the people listening about your background and kind of your expertise and and why you uh, would be a great person to have this conversation with. Sure. Um, so I grew up in England, in the north of England. Uh, moved down to south of England to study and start work. Um, I did my PhD at GSK's Medicines Research Centre in the UK. Um, my PhD focused on innate immunity and respiratory disease. What, uh, is that, what does that mean kind of for the layman <laughs> listening? So innate immunity is basically working on your immune system and like the first line of defence. Okay. So how the body reacts as soon as a uh, pathogen such as a virus or a bacteria can get into the body or onto the body, how the 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 body reacts initially. Okay, interesting. Um, the, the body will then try to sort of process that infection and then create an, what's called an adaptive response, and that's the adaptive immune system. So I really focus and research on the, the initial response. And, and then respiratory is like this, this virus deals with the same thing right which is because yeah. it affects your lungs yeah. absolutely so and you and you specialize kind of in the the respiratory on, on people's respiratory systems that's right yeah, yeah. so I, I most focus on the immunity in the lungs gotcha yeah. and how long you've been 
working on in that in that field? Um, so right back from 2013, I've started looking into this kind of field. 2013, wow. Yeah. So seven years now. Um, so, I mean, I guess what are your, like, my, my hope of having you on is kind of uh, give the audience um, a clearer picture of kind of what's going on, in, uh, you know, in the world today, specifically when it, when it relates to the coronavirus um, and try to provide people, you know, useful information, um, information that will help them protect themselves, their families, uh, while at the same time not creating more fear and worry than, than needs to be. But um, it seems like th more of the ex experts are saying how we should be taking this seriously and, and do our part to, to help limit the spread of this. And so, uh, and that, that's really just my goal. So, I mean, I guess I'll just give you the floor in terms of kind of uh, your thoughts on, on where we're at right now and uh, maybe give us a little insight into the coronavirus and, and what people can do at home to protect themselves and uh, make sure they're as healthy as possible and then what they could do if, uh, you know, if they feel sick. Um, okay, uh, I guess broadly speaking, this is something that's going to get worse before it gets better. Okay. Um, but that's not necessarily any reason to panic. Okay. We can, okay. And, and what do you mean by that in terms of when you say getting worse? So there's practically speaking, if we're going to completely stop the spread, let's say tomorrow it would require absolutely everybody going into isolation for up to two weeks, if not longer. Okay. That's impressive. That's not possible. That's not going to happen. So infection is going to increase most likely. And it's looking like that, you know, it, as we look every day that infection rates are increasing. So the best thing we can do is keep up these preventive med uh, methods, such as social distancing, mm -hmm. um, washing your hands at every possible opportunity. If you get a chance to wash your hands, um, try and carry a bottle of hand sanitizer if you, you know, you're lucky enough to get one of those. And um, yeah, just try and be vigilant. And if you're feeling infectious, if you're feeling sick, um, the, the main symptoms to look for would be uh, fatigue, um, a dry cough, and a fever. If you're feeling like you have those, then the best thing is to stay at home uh, for two weeks if you can. So, yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people now it's like people are starting to, you know, if they don't feel uh, good at all. I mean, I think everyone right now with people talking about the coronavirus, it's, uh, there's that immediate fear of if they have it. Um, regardless if they do or don't, I mean, I know tests are limited and we're trying to identify that, but are you recommending, um, you know, at first just stay home as opposed to rushing to like the ER or the doctor's office? Um, because what, what could, what are hospitals and doctors able to do right now? If let's say you're just, you run a, you're running a small fever and you're not feeling well, um, other than the testing and finding out and confirming that you might, might have it. Uh, I would say that. Unless you have specific reason to go to the hospital and you're just feeling feverish, um, don't go. The The people who should be going to the hospital are those that are at risk, perhaps have uh, pre-existing or underlying uh, respiratory conditions or otherwise immunocompromised. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like uh, patients with diabetes are somewhat susceptible as well. So if you have um, course go to hospital because this could be you know quite uh, serious for you, then absolutely go to the hospital. Otherwise, it's perhaps best to just stay at home um you know if you have some um sort of flu medication you know if you want to help with the symptoms um any kind of painkillers will you know help take away some of the symptoms for you but otherwise you yeah, just keep yourself in isolation the reason being is if uh, everybody rushes to the hospital it's going to put a severe burden on the healthcare system mm -hmm. you know tests are limited and tests take time uh the more tests that are required to do at the same time the longer the results are going to take and that puts a risk at those patients who really need to, to take the test, those that are really at risk. Figs! Listen, our, our healthcare uh, professionals, um, we owe them a lot, especially in these times, but uh, doesn't mean they can't look fancy and comfortable. Yeah. Get yeah. them a gift right now, please. Yeah. For all the uh, people in the healthcare industry, they could use a little love. They could use a lot of love. Uh, so get them a gift. And if you want to get them a gift, uh, what better thing to give them than something they have to wear literally 24-7 nowadays? Yeah. Can you tell us about the ones you have? 
Uh, well, they are gray and comfortable, and I wear them constantly around the house. Often what style the grocery store. I got the joggers. And uh, I, yeah, they're great. I don't know. People, uh, I feel like, I, yeah, I told you, I get, I get a little extra attention when I wear scrubs to the grocery store. Yeah. But the pants, I feel like they're just casual. Like you can wear them on the plane. They don't look like scrubs necessarily. No, right? they look great. Yeah. No. I mean, they, they look like, they look like fancy leisure wear. Yeah. And are they soft? They're wonderful. Oh, good. I wear them constantly. Ugh, uh, they're very nice. comfortable. Love them. Um yeah, I, 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 I love them. They have tons of pockets. Some include over 10 pockets, which is super useful if you're in the medical industry. So is there a doctor in the house or a vet tech or a radiologist or any other awesome human in the medical industry? And even if you don't work in the medical industry, you definitely know someone that does and should tell them about or gift them some figs. That's right. Listeners of the Vile Files are getting 15% off for a limited time. Go to wearfigs.com. That's W E A. R-F-I-G-S dot com and enter code V-I-A-L-L 15 at checkout. Dipsy sexy stories <laughs> for you. I'm loving this Dipsy. Dipsy is made by women for women and get your sexy stories on. There's not enough stuff made for us. No, there's not. I think it's great. I, I, uh, I've, I've heard some of these sexy stories and I got to say, I know they're not for me. I kind of enjoy I them. still enjoy them. Yeah. They are relatable and immersive. So you feel like you're right there. And there's also something for everyone. So you can find a story that speaks specifically to you. What's also awesome is they add new content each week so that there's always more stories to explore. So if you want to get your groove back on, you should definitely download the app. I think this is great for our audience, especially all the people call in. Totally. It it gives you ideas, things to try with your partner, things to try with yourself, you know? (laughs) Uh, Close your eyes. Have a good time. For our listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash V-I-A-L-L. So there's no reason not to try this fun experience. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Dipsystories.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Have some fun with the sexy time. Why aren't the tests more readily available? Um, so from what I understand, the the government have chosen to acquire their own uh, testing procedures and testing kits okay. over choosing that of the testing kits available by the World Health Organization. Oh. So that has really limited uh, tests available. Um, to sort of put it into perspective, I believe uh, South Korea are doing something around 20,000 tests per day. Whereas it's taken about three months for the U.S. to reach that number. Okay. So, yeah, tests here in the the U.S. are limited until testing kits are made more available. Mm -hmm. So until then, it's, you know, it's going to be a slow grinding process to test. I I don't know. I don't know if this would be helpful to people listening. Like, uh, I never even knew, honestly, until... I heard about the coronavirus that people even got tested for the flu and what, what makes a, are these certain types of tests uh, specific to the coronavirus versus the flu? I mean, what, uh, I guess like in terms of like, how do they test for that versus like, say, if you were to test for strep or anything like that, like what, why are there only uh, specific types of tests as opposed to just going in and like running like a positive negative test on, like anything you'd go in for. I, I don't know much about that in terms of um, why is there like a finite number of tests? Like what, what what's entailed into the testing? So the, the testing is for, for both cases requires what's called a PCR. That stands for polymerase chain reaction. Okay. So what happens is a, a healthcare professional, your doctor or nurse will take a, uh, a swab of your cheek or the back of your throat, uh, maybe a nasal swab. Um, that will isolate some of the virus particles. From that, a uh, biomedical scientist will isolate the genetic material from that, from that swab from that, um, that contains the virus particles, and the kit is specifically designed to detect the genetic signature of the virus. And so that then gets run through a PCR, which you know, can be done in, a, in, in just a few hours, and um, if there are hits, then you... you you um that then becomes a positive test i'm saying okay well this patient you know has has 
detected positive for this um, coronavirus strain. Um, if it's negative, then it means that there was no coronavirus there in the first place. Okay, so it's it's the elements of the test that are limited, and that's what would yeah, what people can't find. Absolutely. Interesting. Um, and as far as like people's, you know, you're specializing in immune systems uh, for the average person, you know, how just to give some people some calm, um, you know, because there's this there's this thing where, you know, younger people are hearing, oh, well, you know, you probably won't get that sick or it won't be that serious. And it seems like some people are taking that as permission to just go about their lives, you know, mm-hmm. and going out there and going to bars and restaurants. I mean, more and more our, 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 gov- our, our local government is putting a pause on that. But, um, you know, why should those people still take it seriously? And how is this affecting our immune systems? And do we know anything about the long-term ramifications of, of the coronavirus? So, yeah, if you're otherwise healthy and you do become infected, you're, you're looking about two-week total recovery, perhaps one week of severe symptoms. Okay. Um, the, the reason not to go out, though, and think, oh, it's okay, I've had the cold or I've had the flu before, I can do that, I can make that, is it, it, it's not about these people. It's about protecting those that aren't going to get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, this has a, um, there is a death rate involved to this and it is those that are susceptible to the virus such as those that are otherwise uh, preconditioned to something like a respiratory disease or the elderly or, an, or another at-risk group it's about protecting those you know and it's to go out for anything other than necessary reasons puts them at risk so like going to bars or restaurants when you could stay at home and you know eat or you know have a bottle of beer at home instead sure you know you you stop putting those people at risk then for for the sake of you know thinking it's all about me instead what about people who are like still inviting their friends over for like a quarantine party yeah, like game nights and yeah things ga- like that. i'm seeing that on yeah. the internet how do you feel about that um again it's it's something that's not necessary to do. Right. Um, you know, this, again, to say that you can't do it, I think, induces more panic. Right. I think it, we rely on people being sensible here. You yeah. Know, it's, you, you host a game party and let's say there's eight or ten of you there and one of you has a coronavirus but you're asymptomatic, you're not showing any symptoms, you can still be infectious. And so it's very likely that all eight of those people then become infected, you know, only then needs one of those people to be, you know, in the service industry or any, any other kind of industry, perhaps they're a delivery driver. And then, yeah. you know, it spreads very quickly then. So it's just it's, not necessary. Yeah. yeah. If it's not necessary, if anything can be done remotely, then that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, where it's just, um, I'll admit when, the, like a few weeks ago, when this was uh, starting to come out, like most people, it was like, oh, you know, everyone's freaking out about this, but like, you know, is it just a really bad flu? And um, you know, I pro, I definitely kind of was thinking that, and in, in amongst with conversations with my friends, but um, you 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 listen to some of the experts and you hear people talking and realize it's kind of an irresponsible point of view. And, and like, as you just said, Ben, like that's how things are getting spread um, by doing things we don't need to do. And, you know, I'm in this kind of small group classes, only 10 of us. It was it's a bunch of people, you know, young, healthy people. And then we realized, well, you know what, instead of getting together, uh, there's plenty of technology out there like zoom where we could do these get togethers on a video Skypes and, be just as productive. And then mm-hmm. uh, even you can do game nights and things like yeah. that, all the things you can do out there, um, FaceTiming your friends, you know, it's not quite the same, but there's, there's things we can do to still be connected with our friends and, and still be creative with some of the fun things, activities that we have, uh, while not, uh, putting our friends and family members at risk. Um, how long, what is, how long is the incubation period? Do we know in terms of like, if you were to get it, uh, how long could you, potentially be contagious without showing symptoms um that's a very good question we don't know for sure our um scientist's best estimate right now is somewhere between two and 14 days that's so it's it's quite wide quite wide yeah quite a spectrum fairly scary and then think about uh if you were to become infected as a young person even for two days 
all the people you'd be interacting with, touching, you know, uh, when we're not thinking about this, uh, we put our hands on everything, on railings, coughing, you know, most of the time we should cover our mouths, we don't all the time, um, picking things off of the ground or on our phones constantly. You know, that's one thing I thought of too, I've been sanitizing my phone a lot, just like I've dropped my phone on the ground, pick it up. I don't think too much of it in the past. I set it down on a counter, you know, where people maybe have eaten before. I just never really thought about that. And in most cases, maybe you get away with that being a relatively healthy person. But uh, now you're just kind of being more mindful and thinking of those things that you can do to try to um, help yourself. But again, if you were to be infected, not thinking about that, right? I mean, I'm mm -hmm. assuming that that that's how this is being spread so fast. Yeah, that's right. So it's people not knowing that they're infected uh, are then going out and it's being spreading fast. That's why, like you say, it's important to be mindful. So, you know, covering your mouth when you cough, try and use your elbow instead of your hands. Try not to touch your face. Don't, you know, keep this social distancing uh, as best as possible. And that stops the spread. Yeah. You know, from, from what we know, the spread is caused by basically droplets. What are you, what's that? So like droplets in the air, when you cough, you, you cough out droplets that contain the virus that so might just washing your hands isn't going to protect you. Um, not necessarily, but if you wash your hands and don't touch your face, then you're less likely to, to contract the infection. Yeah, but like my mom will be like, yeah, I'm going to fly. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to be fine. And, but if it's spread through droplets in the oh, air, yeah. that's just cause you're washing your hands doesn't mean you're going to be fine. No. Yeah. So, right. I mean, like, was that, that's, that, that's fair right. to say. Absolutely yeah. right. You know, so it's, so to be like, so to your point, Rochelle, washing your hands, it's something we can do. It's something that is helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, washing your hands and correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, like if say someone who has it sneezes, uh, covers their mouth, right. And then they walk down a flight of stairs and put their hands on the rail 20 minutes later you walk down the same set of stairs with your hand on the rail, they potentially could contract it at that point. That's right, yeah. Washing your hands maybe would help that, but you know, if you, it's not gonna prevent you from getting it if you're out there. The only way to do that is really, as you say, to social distance and isolate yourself for a period of time. That's right, yeah. And this, the washing your hands is just one of the many yeah. things that people are supposed to be doing too. I've heard uh, that men with beards uh, are at risk. Is that, I mean, what's, is that true? Is that accurate? Is that something that people should, is it really, is it one of those kind of helpful things or uh, am I being irresponsible by having uh, facial hair? It's not something I'm heard of. Um, if it is true, I'm glad I had a shave this morning. Okay. Um, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, because the the these water droplets can sort of accumulate in the beard, and you know that leaves you more at risk to to inhale. Perhaps when you cough, the beard becomes a bit of a like a, an entrapping ground sure. to to catch these droplets, and then you only really need to get close to somebody to to inhale these droplets and these viral particles. But I feel like at that point you probably have it like if is my beard really making it worse or I think, yeah perhaps at that point the, the the individual would have it yeah. yeah but then again it comes down to okay this is about protecting everybody else yeah. as well so i mean I, I i can't tell everybody to go around and shave yeah uh, that'd be a little bit ridiculous i know a lot of people put a lot of effort into their beards so I mean, it's not the end of the world I could shave, but I'm just trying to like find out what what are some of the things that we're hearing out there on the internet that we should really, what are the important things mm -hmm. and what are the things that it's like, there's just so much information and so many people with an opinion. Yeah. I'm just trying to kind of get to the, the root of it. Theragun. I got, I love my Theragun. I know you do. I just uh, constantly have... Uh, tension and it's so great to have my theragun just on the couch you know watch tv <laughs> and it feels great yeah i mean how many times are you um sitting there and you get a kink in your neck or a tightness in your calf or whatever and you're always like sitting you're like you, can you rub me can you are you good at massages <laughs> yes, right here right here right, right here and the person kind of like <laughs> if they even say yes half ass it from do it for four seconds yeah now you can do it as long as you want. It's so it's actually and it's very easy to use it's on yourself. It's crazy how they designed it so yeah. you can reach. It's it's everywhere. really it's very easy to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it seems easier than than you think. And then obviously if you have a 
If you have someone, you can do it with each other. That's even easier. <laughs> Feel better naturally. Treat your pain and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash V-I-A-L-L. For a limited time, my listeners to this podcast get a free charging stand with their purchase, a $79 Ooh, value. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's theragun.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Theragun.com slash V-I-A-L-L. You know, and then as far as like how it does affect everyone, like, so you said it's more respiratory. Like, how is that different than, say, the flu? I mean, maybe that's a good thing to talk about. People say, well, it's just a, uh, it's just like a kind of a flu thing. So why, yeah. why are, why, what are the reasons why this is, um, uh, more severe than the flu? Why is the death rate higher? Uh, and why uh, should people not just say it's just like the flu? Um, well, it's not so much necessarily that the death rate is higher. We don't specifically know if the death rate would necessarily be higher or not yet. Gotcha. What's different is this is new. Okay. This is a, a completely new virus in, in many ways. So, What's that mean to us? So this, um, if you remember the SARS outbreak of um, sure. a few years ago, it's it's basically a derivative of that. Okay. So it's very similar to, to that virus, but it's its own virus in its own right as well. So because of that, we don't have any vaccines. We don't know what antivirals work. We we don't know what treatments, and we don't know necessarily what to expect. So we're learning all this for the first time. And you know, while this um, you know the, this is, it is got very similar to the flu um, in that they're both respiratory viruses. They you know they both in uh, can induce fever, fatigue, a uh, cough, things like that. But the last thing we need is another flu. You know, because this is a, a completely different virus to the flu. It's just, you know, attacking the same organ system, really, or infecting by the same organ system. So it's that we we don't know enough about this one yet, and we don't have the treatments, and we, we're learning all this for the first time. Gotcha. And when you say we don't have the treatments, there's no known kind of, there's no known, what's the word I'm looking Vaccine. for? Vaccine. Yeah. Um, is that, what, what does that mean? I mean, when I, when you say, because like I have, you know, I'm not a doctor. You hear that there's no cures for viruses. There's cures for bacteria. How, how is a vaccine different than, like, say, if I have, like, a strep throat and I take antibiotics? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Does so, that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So antibiotics don't work against viruses. Sure. Um, a vaccine essentially stops you not so much getting the virus. If you remember how I talked briefly, I talked about the adaptive immune system, how the the host uh, or the body develops a defense against a specific pathogen. What a vaccine does is it trains your body to react to a certain pathogen or a certain virus. So that if you do contract that virus, you have that very specific, very fast, very rapid immune response. Okay. Rather than having to wait for your body to develop that immune response on its own when you do get the virus. So right now, when we're getting... when people who are contracting corona their body's kind of like what is this what's going on mm -hmm. and they almost have to start from scratch and and yeah interesting absolutely so the you know the, the body's reacting to this for the first time the body is developing an immune response to it that's adaptive immune response does take time which is why specifically like colds and flu or you know these coronaviruses take a week maybe two weeks to recover from and so the vaccine stops you taking that two weeks recovery because it's already had that immune response. Sure, and then I'm assuming that we just be we we were more were contagious for longer periods of time as well. And then absolutely, re yeah. Related, you know, and then that uh, really Im impacts the spread. Impacts the spread within your own body. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then why why are the corona in terms of it being more of a respiratory illness than say the flu, or is that not accurate as well? Cause I'm hearing a lot about people talking about respiratory with, as it relates to Corona. Uh, and that's a specific kind of, um, um, symptom, symptom of it. Is that, is it, is that true as well? Or what is it about the Corona that it's attacking people's respiratory systems? Um, you know, it's the same way that, that flu attacks the respiratory system as well. It's just that these particles are in the, the water droplets, they're airborne, it gets into the lungs. The lungs are very, you know, susceptible to contracting these these infections. Um, what this coronavirus does is COVID-19, much like its um, almost SARS parent um, 
virus, if you like it, a, it targets a specific protein that's expressed a lot in the lungs. And so if that protein doesn't exist, the virus can't get into the cells. And so that protein doesn't really exist on skin, on mm. in your eyes or in your ears, let's say. Okay. But that protein does exist in your lungs, and that's how the virus gets into the cells. Gotcha. Okay. That's... So what's the effect on the respiratory system? So the what the virus does, it, it attaches to that protein. It essentially infects that cell. It uses that cell's own genetic machinery to replicate its own virus um, genetic material. The virus then generates more virus particles within that cell and then will literally just burst out the cell at some point. Oh, wow. So one virus can create multiple other viral particles and bursting out the cell. Those other viral particles then get into other cells and more and more, and that's causing a lot of damage to your tissue. Permanent damage? Uh, not permanent. Your cells will recover. Okay. If, you, you know, if you're healthy enough for those cells to recover, for yeah. sure. I was hearing something about heart damage that was happening. Um, that makes sense, yes. So the, um, the protein that it targets called uh, angiotensin-converting enzyme 2. Okay. <laughs> um, we we shorten that to ACE2. Okay. And that would make sense because as far as I'm aware, ACE is also expressed a lot on cardiac tissue. So. Oh, okay. If, if, if someone experiences some type of damage, does the heart recover as well? Is it can do, yeah. I think uh, as soon as you get in those kind of symptoms, that's when it's serious. Okay. Cause so not not everyone would have that type of damage. Type no, of no. You, you would need the virus to get um, systemic into your, I don't know, into your bloodstream, let's say. Or... And and are those are the people, it's more common for high-risk patients. Like what's stopping, what's stopping it from, you know, becoming systemic throughout your body uh, in the average person versus someone who has a very serious case? Um, your immune system. Gotcha. So your immune system will get to it and, yep. and, and fight back before it has a chance to spread. That's that right. Far. Yeah. So people who are immunosuppressed, they don't. They aren't. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be able to fight the virus, and so yeah. that's why it's important for those to get the the treatments that are available. Right. They are number one priority. Yeah. And be you know protected from potentially even contracting the virus in the first place. Interesting. And so, and who are the people, uh, I'm assuming most of the people who are listening who are high risk are aware of it, but just to, just to lay it out there, you know, we have obviously elderly people, people over 60. I've heard smokers are uh, higher risk. Is that mm -hmm. true? Yeah. Uh, people with diabetes, uh, heart conditions, mm -hmm. uh, anything else? People with transplants are on immunosuppressants so that their body doesn't reject. Absolutely, yeah. So any, anybody who's any kind of immunocompromised, um, you know, a, a major one would be HIV patients okay. mm. would be susceptible. Um, the elderly, for sure. Anybody with any kind of respiratory illness um, or lung disease would, would be at risk. What about someone, I, <clears throat> I went to, I got a physical uh, once and they said, oh, you had, you know, you had walking pneumonia and you didn't, you know, and I was like, oh, I didn't know I was fine. They're like, yeah, that, that can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, are people who have ever had like pneumonia uh, at higher risk now if they're relatively healthy people or uh, is that only because if they were to have pneumonia? Because I hear, I'm hearing pneumonia being brought up as it relates to Corona a lot or mm -hmm. that's when it takes a turn for the worse. How, how does that affect uh, the disease? So... I mean, pneumonia in simple terms basically means infection of the lungs. Okay. So it's primarily bacterial pneumonia. Um, but if you've had pneumonia before, it doesn't necessarily mean you're susceptible. It's something you should definitely consider. Um, but, you know, if you had pneumonia, walking pneumonia, and, and you were the way recovered, it means you've got a very healthy immune system. You are able to respond to it just fine, you know, yeah. as, as a healthy patient should. I was, they were, yeah, they were just like, oh, I, I don't know. I had markers or something. I don't know what it meant, but they said, it it looks like you might've had this. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, oh, there might've been a time four or five months ago where I felt a little like not myself, but that was about it. But yeah, so you know, that's always kind of weird to hear or scary to hear, but then I guess it's a good sign that your, your body fights it. But all the more yeah. reason why you, uh, for the healthy people out there, uh, is it safe to say that not everyone who gets Corona uh, would ever really feel that like that sick where they could just feel a little off, but not uh, feel that sick and then be contagious to many other people? Yeah, for sure. This definitely seems to be quite the, the spectrum in terms of infection. You know, some people might just be a mild tickle in their throat. You know, for example, they might not even feel feverish or if they do, they should 
mild feverish, but they take uh, acetaminophen regularly and that's, you know, counteracts the fever. So they don't really tell, or they don't really know. And so, yeah, a lot of people will, perhaps will feel asymptomatic or just mild symptoms and think, oh, well, this can't be corona because people are dying from it. So I don't have corona, but sure. y- you might well have. Yeah. You know, so. I, I read something that you should take Tylenol and not anything that's anti-inflammatory. Like ibuprofen? You mean? Yeah. What is that? Um, yeah, it's a, a an ongoing bait, basically. Oh, really? In, in okay. the the medical field and the scientific field, I, I'm on the on the side that yeah, you shouldn't take it. The anti-inflammatory. Yes. What I mean, it's, I've I, what is the difference between Tylenol and say Advil or ibuprofen? So anti-inflammatories, um, as you might expect, so, suppress the what's called the inflammatory response, and so and that's Advil or ibuprofen. Yeah. Okay. Drugs such as that. Um, so what would happen is, you, you know, you you get an infection. Um, what your body does is it, it reacts to that infection. These, like the cells that I study, the innate immune cells, they, they, they can detect that infection and they produce what's called inflammatory cytokines. It's these cytokines that are actually responsible for inducing the fever, um, for inducing redness by dilating blood vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're actually quite toxic as well in very high concentrations. So the the idea of these anti-inflammatories is to stop that inflammatory response. Stop the fever. Yeah, to yeah. stop the fever. So you're almost stopping your body's ability to fight off the infection. Exactly. So this, you know, we've evolved and developed this immune system in order to fight these infections. If we start suppressing that, then we're perhaps more likely to allow the infection Okay. To take hold more, and so t- taking away that body's response to produce these inflammatory cytokines can actually be quite detrimental. So, whilst it hurts, yeah, you get a fever and a headache, and you know you you feel hot and swollen, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and there is somewhat damage. It, it's there for a reason because we're okay. trying to fight a biological organism that's infected your body, and th- that needs to be quite toxic in itself as well. So. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's always that weird. I think when people get sick and they, especially when they run a fever, there's that fear of your body just being in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to know sometimes that maybe that's a, a good thing. Um, yeah. That's... At what point does it become concerning? You know, let's say, all right, fine. I'm gonna allow my body to fight this. Is there a point where it's, uh, this is getting too serious. I need to go to the hospital. I need to go to the doctor's office. Um, is it when the fever never breaks or like how long could you have a fever or, or what, what temperature is it kind of relatively normal where it's still safe to stay at home, drink fluids and things like that rather than to seek a healthcare professional? Um, good question. I would say generally speaking, if after let's say seven days, it hasn't got better or it has got worse, definitely seek medical help. Okay. If at any point you're just generally concerned anyway, then for sure go seek medical help. You know, I don't, I don't want to be here and say, no, just, just stay at home seven days. You'll be fine. And then, you know, people will take that as advice and, you know, only end up getting worse. So for sure, if you feel like it's getting worse, particularly after about a week, then, you know, definitely something's going bad. What about the idea of like, I want to figure out if I have it so I can let anyone know who I may have come in contact with that, you know, you've been exposed or is it, are we past that now where we're trying to find out where, where it's spreading? Um, I think if you have a cause to find out if you have it, like if you have genuine reason to think, okay, well, I need to find out because I... You know, I'm I'm a nurse. I work in a hospital, so it's important okay. to find out. Okay. Or I, I drive a, a school bus, right? So you, you know, there are certain people where it's important for them to find out. But I think if you you know ultimately can do your job remotely, working from home, and you're otherwise concerned, and you you know your um, institute in which you work has allowed you to work from home, then, yeah. You know, go for it. Yeah. Do that and keep keep that social distance. Keep self isolation. You don't need the test specifically in that case so it's the the test right now until they become more widely available until they become financially viable as well needs to be really be reserved for those um or otherwise um in need of the Mm -hmm. the test or or would be perhaps you know putting other people at risk Mm -hmm. because of their job i mean that was kind of my thought too because it's like all right well instead of panicking and, and telling everyone um they need to go test. Uh, you know, I was, for example, 
I was in New York a couple weeks ago. I got on a flight. So like I'm trying to do my part by just pretty much staying in, wash my hands a ton, not going out in groups in public. And if I have to go out, you know, I, I minimize that. Uh, because like if I were to have had it, I guess it's just like, well, I wouldn't they just tell me to go home? And, I mean, I live by myself, so I wouldn't necessarily be at risk of like, say, you know, yeah. I don't have kids or a family to potentially be infecting them. It's just like, I would ultimately be doing the same thing. So just if you can, as you said, Ben, just stay inside. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do have it and you don't necessarily uh, uh, like aren't going to be infecting anyone else, don't put other people at risk by going to a doctor's office, people who might have um, um, susceptible immune systems and things like that. And then I guess that's the thought of like tracking it down. Everyone should be doing this right now. So it's kind of like, right? Like, what you know, do you mean? Well, I mean, it's just like if if uh, if you're, let's say you're feeling a little off, right? And you're like, mm -hmm. your first thought is like, oh, I guess I need to, should I go get tested? Because I want to be able to tell, you know, I had a game night with my friends or something. I need to tell, everyone should just be staying home. So even- I know, you know but it's like, it could have been- 10 days ago, you know, yeah, when none yeah. of the world was staying home at that point, or they, maybe some people were, but majority yeah. were not. Well, I guess it's just like, I think what Ben's saying, right? I mean, is that we have, we should all just try to do as much as we can by minimizing human contact for at least a period of time. For sure. That's the best thing we can do is we're talking two weeks to a month, maybe two months of doing this before we're on the the back end of it and we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it, it really will require lots of people or the, the majority of people to do that. And that, yeah, so that was my next question. So you, you, we're looking at a one to two months of two months of really taking this seriously and, and this kind of being the new norm um, just to, to stop this from yeah. really affecting uh, uh, people on a global scale. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, what's i heard something you can get reinfected Do you know uh, yeah i've about heard that? that yeah is that true um yeah, there's no reason why you can't um why is that uh perhaps you're you know after you got the infection the first time your your immune system didn't quite develop a uh, an adaptive response strong enough to recognize that that second uh that, that second wave so um so yeah, you know, secondary infections can be you know quite common in, in these things, but you know that's that's common in all of you know viral infections. For sure, yeah. there's no reason you won't just get it again. Interesting. And there's I, no reason you don't. Your yeah. body can't build up. No, sure, yeah, you know, there's there's sometimes you know some some people just won't have that uh, inherent capability of recognizing that particular virus, and so won't produce a. Uh, that secondary um, sort of adaptive response. Yeah. So that's gets important to know because if you were someone who has been tested and tested positive and you isolate yourself for a couple of weeks, you yeah. it doesn't mean you can then go outside and not be mindful and cautious and, and not wash your hands. I mean, we should always be doing this, but clearly we've been far more mindful. Yeah. It's not as if, well, I had it like, you know, when people had the chicken pox, yeah. like oh, I had the chicken pox. Yeah. So I'm not afraid Why is of it different than that. Yeah. Well, this is it. I, I actually had the chicken box twice as a kid. Oh. So, so I, it's not impossible. I, it's not impossible. It's it's rare. It's it, rare. For, for that okay. to occur, it's rare. Okay. Um, but it's not impossible. And it's just because you've had it doesn't mean you'll, you won't necessarily have it again. You can get it again. You just won't feel so bad the second time because your body's trained to detect and fight that infection this time. But what you are is still infectious during that time as well. So you then become this carrier that can still spread it, even though you're no longer you know, going to suffer from that, uh, that infection. So people who have gotten it are, are potentially even more at risk of spreading it because they'll, they'll truly yeah. not think they have it, may not feel any real symptoms mm -hmm. and are out there touching and meeting people and out, yeah. out in restaurants. It's interesting. So, I mean, there's news about a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Do you, what are your thoughts on that or what could we look for or, um, I think the it's definitely exciting. Let's uh, hope for the best. Um, you know, research trials, clinical trials, whether they're for drugs, vaccines, honestly, they very often fail more than they succeed. So we can only hope for the best that this particular vaccine works, but uh, the company that's developing this vaccine, as well as other companies all over the world, are all trying to develop vaccines right now. And so, you know, the more the better, essentially, because the more chance we have at success. 
Um, I would say realistically speaking, we're looking at sometime next year before we develop a vaccine. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's what, I mean, the little bit I've heard, that's what you yeah. hear ex experts saying. So the stuff that Rochelle has read, is that just like hope or is it possible? Or like, what's the difference between someone saying we might be, we're doing human trials and are around the corner versus someone like you and other experts saying this could be a, a realistically a good year, year and a half away from having a reliable vaccine. I think it's, it's definitely hope and it's possible it could work for sure. Yeah. Um, but on flip coin, it means that it might not work. Either. Yeah. So w when you, when, so when they say they're doing human trials, that just means they have something that they think could work and they're going to try it out and see if it does. But that, that there's a good chance, as you said, that just means they're going to try it and only realize this didn't work. All right. Now we'll, we'll build off of that and realize, mm -hmm. you know, is that, you know, people say like, Oh, well, it, failure, I guess is a good thing because they know what won't work and now they can, can focus on the things that do work, but it's Absolutely. just one step in terms of getting to the final. So everything that goes before clin uh, clinical trials has only ever happened in the lab. Okay. Um, there may have been animal testing in that. Um, I believe the, you know, I'm sure this Corona vaccine was trying to skip as many steps as possible, but uh, ultimately it's just lab-based tests to see if this works. And so you get to the point where it's time to try it in humans, in patients, and all you've got is this preclinical data, so laboratory data. So it ultimately comes down to, okay, does it work in humans? Because that's where we need it to work. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, most drug trials, most vaccine trials do fail because ultimately it doesn't work in humans. So, you know, like you say, we can only go and think, okay, we've tried all this in the lab. It, it looks like it works. We think it will work. We hope it works. We can try it in humans now because we've, we've done our best to deem it safe as well. Sure. Um, which is what most of the testing actually goes into. And, and so you try it in humans, but if it ultimately doesn't work in the human, we have to think again. We have to you know, in many cases, even just start again, you know. That was my next, so is it, it's not building off, it's almost starting over? Uh, it, sometimes. So, it, you know, if the the thinking towards the the disease in question or, or, or this virus is that, okay, this, this particle or this, this viral particle we've isolated it is going to be the antigen we, we're going to get the the patient's immune system to respond to, that doesn't work on that particular virus then or the the patient hasn't got the capability to respond to that particular particle then you're not going to develop that um immune response that the vaccine is supposed to do and therefore it's not going to work so okay fascinating can you tell us like what the symptoms are like if people are worried that they have it what are things they should be looking out for um sure so the three major symptoms are fever uh fatigue so feeling tired uh, and cough, uh, particularly a dry cough. So not like a, a spluttering cough, like a, a dry chesty cough. Um, beyond that, um, you, you're probably looking at like maybe muscle pain, soreness, aches, things like that. Um, strangely sneezing and congestion aren't all that common, but not unheard of. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for it's those as well. It's not that common? Yeah, it's so not that it's common. It could be a cold if you're there. having... If you feel, yeah, if you're feeling like sneezing, I think um, congestion is definitely there in the corona, but definitely like that sort of sneezing or tickly in the nose that makes you sneeze. Not that. Where, when, when you have a cold, that's not all that common. I, I think um, from last I looked, we're talking about 10, 15% of cases don't really have sneezing. And mm -hmm. um, for all we know, that could be down to something else there as well, but um, not necessarily. Well, it's interesting too because people usually equate like congestion and and yeah uh, with like having the flu, but it mm -hmm. seems like that's not as not always the case with the coronavirus. Yeah, that, that seems to be something different and unique to the corona. Yeah. It's not really causing that much sneezing in, in the corona, but but it is there in some patients for sure. sure. Could you have like muscle aches without the fever, without the cough? Could you be? You you could, but again, that'd be rare and rare. common. Yeah. I think, um, you know, th th those three symptoms, the fever, the cough, and the, the fatigue are definitely what you want to look out for okay. right now. And just, I guess, before we, we close, what are some things people can do? Um, you know, you study the immune system to kind of... Uh, 
daily habits or the things they can do to improve their immune system. There's only so much I think we, you know, you can't stop us. You can't stop from getting the virus if you contract it, but mm-hmm. you know, all the things that people drink a lot of fluids, things like that, yeah. or what are some other things that would be helpful for people to, uh, to do just to make sure that, uh, their body is equipped to fight any infection that they get. Um, so firstly, I would say gets your information from credible sources, which uh, are, um, so, from accredited medical websites. Um, if you're looking particularly in information against Corona, I would recommend the CDC or WHO websites for sure. Um, you know, try not to get too caught up in media hype or people who sort of overinflate their um, ideas on like boosting immunity. In terms of boosting immunity, my favorite is iron. So iron, iron. So I take iron supplements in the morning. Okay. Um, you know, there, there have been several studies Never heard to of show. It. Yeah, yeah, me neither. <laughs> show that, uh, yeah, um, concentrate. I'm popping vitamin C <laughs> all the time. Is that? Uh, vitamin C can help for sure. You know, uh, again, there have been studies to show vitamin C really helps, uh, particularly against viral immunity. So, you know, take vitamin C, eat oranges, lemons. Um, you know, if, if you're not really keen on just taking uh, necessarily pills, you, you know, these are also rich in, in a lot of foodstuffs. But. Interesting. I guess I am a little frustrated. I'm thinking back. I'm like frustrated that we held the LA marathon. I'm frustrated that like it took so long for like events to close. And I know like the medical community has been preparing for something like this forever. Like Bill Gates made a huge speech about this. I think it was two years ago. Ted talk. Yeah. Ted talk. And like, is this something you saw coming and were you equally frustrated by people just going about life? as usual for so long um there's definitely frustration there it's the thing is when we when we get to the to the other side of this we're going to look back uh, on many aspects and think we either overreacted or we underreacted mm-hmm. and we, we have what we have to really work out now what's better to do because we're not going to get it exactly right right is it better to overreact or better to underreact and so you you would think, you know, in terms of protecting those that are vulnerable, it's probably better to overreact. So, you know, closing events and um, closing schools or restaurants and things like that so that we can stop the spread. But, you know, if it came to the point where it, it wasn't all that bad, we would think, well, you, you know, what's the damage there? You know, we, we're costing, you know, the, yeah. the, the LA Marathon is a, a great way of charities raising money. And so the, yeah. those charities no longer get those funds. So it's it's difficult to predict the future, you know, and we, we, we have to at least recognize that whilst we're being frustrated that these things didn't close down. So we, you know, we know it's bad now, but we didn't know that two, three weeks ago, you know, so it, it was... You know, m- m- most of the people were joking about it back then. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, f- three weeks ago, I read something that people were suggesting that the NCAA um, not allow fans going to the basketball games. My first reaction was, that's utterly nuts. That's, mm-hmm. you know, what what a total overreaction. Yeah. Clearly, that's... I don't even know if they're going to even have the tournament, let alone not have fans there. But I think that's the thing. It's just, as a society who, you know, when we're not involved in the medical you know, conversations, you know, and we see uh, on the internet people overreacting about all sorts of different types. Of, I think it's human nature mm-hmm. to, to have those types of reactions. And I think yeah. that's why we're just trying to, you know, have these conversations to be, make us more aware because there is, it is that balancing act, as you said, Ben, in terms of getting the information we need and, and, and trying not to overact where we don't have to. And we'll look back. And I think that's a really good point that you made that we'll, in, a month and a year we'll look back and we won't know what we didn't take serious enough. And we won't know what was maybe a little overreaction until we can kind of look back and see. And then the next, you know, the next time something like this happens, be better prepared for it. Because that's, I see that a lot too. Uh, Like this isn't going to be the last, you know, we've had SARS, we've had the coronavirus, we had, uh, what was that? uh, Spanish flu. Spanish flu. We've had, Mm -hmm. uh, what was the other one? Was um, bird flu, bird, swine flu. Swine flu. Yeah. This isn't going to be the last virus, no. new virus that uh, reveals itself that uh, humanity has to deal with. No, for sure. And it, like from the medical field sort of side, that it's generally accepted now. We're not going to stop the spread. 
Um, best we can do now is slow it down. Mm-hmm. The The reason we want to slow it down is because if too many people get infected at the same time that require hospitalization, that require medical treatment, the, the system is not able to cope. So if we can slow it down and spread that out a little more over over wider wider time period, then you know hospitals are able to cope, uh, medical systems are able to cope a little better. The like antiviral treatments won't just automatically run out, and you know within the first two weeks, and then you know those that are sick then don't have antiviral treatments available because it was all used up. So it's a matter of really really slowing that spread down now as best we can. That, I mean that's it's. Just- yeah, it's crazy to think we're you're so it's almost like you, people are going to get it. Like you said, it's just mm-hmm. not getting it all at once where people don't know what to do and our and our doctors and nurses and medical professionals can't deal with it. That's it. I think right now we we're, we're beyond the point of of no return where we it's we can't stop the spread now. Hmm. Um beyond doing something like, you know, implementing martial law where we, you know, the military sure. takes to the streets and enforces everybody to stay inside <laughs> for the next two months. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know? So, you know, people need to go outside. People need to go get the groceries. People need to step outside the, the infection, you know, the, the spread will happen. So if we can slow that down best we can, that, that gives us a better chance to cope with it. If we can protect those um, that are, you know, susceptible, that gives us a better chance to, really really reduce the you know the death rates in this virus okay i'm just frustrated because i'm having trouble convincing like my parents like i heard that's kind of common that age group for some reason doesn't want to take it seriously Mm -hmm. also they don't think of themselves as old yet you know what i mean so they don't think that they're vulnerable yeah yeah and they don't want to change they don't want to believe the you know the media hype. Sure. So I had a family friend um, that we got together this weekend and I was just like, Hey, just, you know, like I feel fine. But like, I, I was in New York a couple of weeks ago. Like, yeah. You, mm-hmm. And you know, and that was her reaction. It was just like, Oh, well, you know, when it's my time, it's my time. I'm like, you're not, yeah. hey, you're not that old. You are certainly old enough to take this seriously. Yeah. But like, yeah. And it's a, it's a challenge. It's the a mindset. So we have this, especially American society of like, just, toughen up you know be tough yeah somehow our toughness is going to uh have an impact on our body's ability to fight a, a, a disease and that yeah. that's mm-hmm. not the case you know um yeah that's yeah. um yeah i think um ultimately what your parents have got right is not believing the media hype i guess okay um you know in my opinion the the media um, sells chaos and so okay. it's, it's in their best interest to to overhype things um, a lot of the time so but you know scientists and doctors and researchers it it's not in their best interest because it overwhelms them so they're the people we need to be listening to in this situation and right. again you know it's that that there is this sort of stiff upper lip idea that um oh i'll be fine i'm not that old again it, it's not about you you know, it, yeah. it's about those that are at risk, those that, you know, we, we can't just lock them away for two months either. And so it's it's really about protecting those that, that can't fight this virus, you know, whether they're elderly or otherwise. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it's, it's not about uh, creating fear. Um, it's about us just being socially responsible and yeah, being do your smart duty. and doing what we can. Yeah, this is your American duty. Um, yeah, because I totally agree. Like fear does sell, um, and sometimes fear can be very motivating. And it's it's weird because like sometimes, you know, over the weekend it was St. Patrick's Day weekend, and like cities like Chicago. I mean, a lot of cities. It was just like mm-hmm. no one was getting the point. You know, yeah. there's a lot of young people out there saying a lot of ignorant things and and going out. And it's kind of like, at what point do you have to scare them enough to to go home? Mm-hmm. Uh, not scare. You know, this like it's not the end of the world, right? Is, yeah. it, is it safe to say this isn't the end of the, no, of the world? No, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, we we don't want to mess up our uh, economy economy as much as we don't have to. And this is going to affect our economy certainly. But what we what we don't want to do is destroy our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to have people who are at risk. Um, be be casualties of this flu and and those are the things that we can do um and it's not it's not you know two ends of the spectrum it's not end of the world or i'm fine it's you know uh, it's somewhere in between that's right and it's the 
I guess, yeah, just don't, let's not collapse the healthcare system. Let's, cause then we, we probably will get close to the end of the world if that goes under, you know? So, then. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well. But, uh, <laughs> so let's, um, but no, it, it, you know, so it, it's not the end of the world. Um, you, you know, that it's sad that this is causing deaths and, you know, this is something new and this is a, yet another reason for that, that people are dying and, you know, another reason for people like me to, to try and find treatments for these kind of things. Well, and you're so, very important. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we, it's a matter of just protecting the things that we can protect now, like the patients and the healthcare system, because we really don't need that to go under when, you, you know, situations like this happen. And then once we're at the other end of it, let's learn from this. Let's yeah. see, okay, well, well, what did we do wrong so that we can yeah. make that better for next time? And, you know, I, I don't know if it, if it's a matter of scaring the younger people or if it's just getting them to realize that it's not all about them. It's about yeah. others at, well, at this point. Well, they're starting to force it on people. starting to. Yeah. That's... And that's why I wanted to have you on, Ben, just because we, we do have a lot of young listeners. Uh, most of our audience is uh, the people who are the ones that aren't at risk, the healthy mm -hmm. people. Um, uh, but I think it's good for us to understand what this is, what it's not, what not to be afraid of, but at the same time to do our part to to protect yeah. um, our neighbors, our family members, our friends, um, people we don't know, um, yeah. all the people we interact with that we don't even think about on a daily basis. Um, you know, we mm -hmm. um, interact with so many people uh, that we don't even talk to or communicate with. Like you said, like you could literally be touching a, a hand railing going down a set of stairs and yeah. 50 people af after you do the same thing. So um, just kind of protecting our, our, our neighbors. I guess it's a wonder if there's th these people are getting mixed signals and that, you know, the very people who are, you know, shutting down schools, restaurants, canceling events, um, putting restrictions on many things are then telling these people don't overreact, don't panic. Mm hmm. You know, this is nothing to worry about. And then, well, so, well, why shouldn't we overreact and panic? You're closing everything. Right. And yeah, it's you, scary. Yeah. yeah. You, you look at it that way and you, you start to understand. And then, then, you know, and the thing is, we have to wonder, okay, why are we having to do that? It's because people are underreacting. Okay. And, you know, they're still going out to these events. And right. So, okay, well, if you're choosing to go out to these, these bars and restaurants, then we're going to have to close them. And mm -hmm. so they get closed. And again, it comes out to that thing, you know, are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? We're never going to get this right. Yeah. And we will be right. But, you know, we, we really are relying now on people just to be socially responsible. Yes. As best as they can. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ben, I really appreciate you taking the time. We're going to let you go so you can continue to, uh, go back uh, to the lab. fight the good fight <laughs> and uh, keep uh, finding solutions to the, these problems. But I really appreciate you taking the time and, and hope for people me. listening thought, thought this, found this informative. Uh, be safe, um, you know, protect your neighbors. Um, any final thoughts, Ben? Um, yeah, just to echo that, be safe. Think about others um, as well as yourself, as well as your family. You know, there's, there's people out there that are at risk and, you know, the, all these measures are there to protect them, not necessarily just you. So Yeah, it's not consider about you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, we will be back next Monday with uh, another Ask Nick. We'll, we'll keep trying to do these while being smart. Um, and then we'll finally have Penn Gillette next week. Uh, again, a, a great... Uh, uh, interview with Ben, very interesting. Oh, sorry, a great interview with Penn. Ben, uh, it was a, vi a great interview with Penn. Very interesting guy. I hope you really enjoy it. But we wanted to make sure we get Ben in here. It seemed to be pertinent and, and relevant to the times that we are in. So, uh, as always, be safe, uh, stay inside, wash your hands, uh, and we will see you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>